At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Start Me Up Podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated, fully boosted Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is Laura Packard. She's an award-winning progressive digital new media and communication strategist. She's also a healthcare advocate who is a cancer survivor. So we are going to talk about the importance of the Affordable Care Act, where things are going, how it relates to the Build Back Better bill, and what you can do to put the pressure on Congress and elected officials to make sure that that happens. Now, when I say goodbye to Laura, I stay on for an additional 15 minutes just to rant about some general politics. So be sure to stick around after our conversation to hear my rant. Before we get into our conversation, though, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going, so I am so grateful for each and every one of you. If you enjoy today's show, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see that I offer a bunch of different tiers, including one that has a much shorter intro and is completely ad-free. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show only by me. Whatever I feel like talking about that particular day, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness. Again, just go to patreon.com slash startmeup. Take a look at the different options. You can always upgrade later. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple podcast store, become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, please rate the show and leave a review. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Laura Packard. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hello. Good to have you here. You have an interesting backstory. You have an interesting story, I should say. Um, So, you contacted me about being on the show, and, and because of who you are and what you do, I was really interested in talking to you. So why don't you tell everybody, um, I mean, I gave you a little intro at the beginning of the show, but why don't you tell everybody um, how you became a healthcare activist and what motivates you to do this work? Okay. Well, I started doing healthcare work in 2009, 2010, when the AFL-CIO sent me to Arkansas uh, to work on getting the Affordable Care Act passed in the first place. Hmm. So I was working with people that had compelling healthcare stories, but uh, it wasn't my story. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that years later, it would save my own life. uh, Because uh, about four years ago, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer and my insurance through the Affordable Care Act is what paid for the treatment for me to be in remission today. Wow. Wow. Um, what I, I, I was reading something about, well, maybe we're going to get to that in a minute because I think it, it's about Lauren Boebert and uh, her votes on this. Now, I just want to ask you, for people who are not either 
utilizing the ACA or not too familiar with it, when it covered you, did it like cover you in a way that you were really comfortable and you could afford it? Uh, well, it's not perfect, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I did have to pay uh, thousands of dollars uh, out of pocket until I hit my maximum, but it cost uh, over half a million dollars, wow. uh, the, the six months of chemotherapy and the month of radiation and the two hospitalizations. So I never could have afforded right. that much money. I mean, we still need to work to make sure that healthcare is affordable because mm-hmm. thousands of dollars is still too much for most people. Yeah. But uh hundreds of thousands of dollars was just not <laughs> even possible. Right. Oh my God. Um, so what's going on with Congress right now on the, um, on healthcare and how does that relate to the build back better bill? Well, uh, Congress is working on a build back better right now, which is a piece of legislation that has a whole bunch of parts and the parts that I'm, uh, following are about healthcare. So, uh, one of the pieces makes affordable care act, uh, insurance plans, uh, more affordable, uh, through 2025. Another piece expands Medicaid. So in conservative States like Florida and Georgia and Texas, they should have expanded Medicaid all along to cover health insurance for their um, their lowest income people, but they didn't do that because they hate Obamacare. So that hmm. means millions of Americans can't get health care right now because they make too little money to get ACA plans, mm-hmm. but they make too much money mm-hmm. to get Medicaid. So, so effectively, they can't get anything. Right. Uh, so this this fixes that, uh, but also only through 2025. Mm. Uh, and it includes a piece to lower the cost of prescription drugs uh, by allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices and also pass some of these savings on to people uh, that have insurance uh, through their employers or through the ACA, mm-hmm. um, and, and specifically uh, capping the copay for insulin at $35 oh, a wow. month. Yeah. So there are a lot of pieces like that, including paid family and medical leave, including funding for home and community-based services so that uh, people with disabilities and seniors could stay in their homes. Uh, there's, there's just a ton of stuff in the bill. Uh, and then what is Congress doing about it? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the House passed it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a couple weeks ago, and now the Senate is taking their own sweet time, and you know, it's it's the mansions and the cinemas mm-hmm. uh, are taking their time, uh, and the hope is that the Senate does their thing before Christmas. That mm-hmm. would be a great Christmas present for all of us. Yes, uh, we'll see. <laughs> wow, um, I'm just curious to know. Obviously, we have a right wing heavy SCOTUS. They did not kill the ACA the last time they voted on it, so I'm just curious what you think is going to happen if to the ACA if the court is not expanded by Biden? Uh, well, it sounds like the court is just sick of this particular issue. Mm-hmm. In the last uh, case, you know, they, 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 they turned it away. So there mm-hmm. wasn't, they didn't rule on the merits, but they said there was no standing. So anyways, it sounds like uh, the Supreme Court just doesn't want to deal with this anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am more concerned about what they're going to do to uh, reproductive health care in this mm-hmm. country, <laughs> that they're going to gut Roe versus Wade. And then, you know, are they then going to come after a contraception mm-hmm. mandates after yeah. what you know like they aren't going to stop just with ending abortion right. uh, but for the ACA I think that that's on pretty solid ground right now 
Okay. Um, I just want to ask you a quick question about the reproductive. Just to get your opinion on this. Um, now, obviously, for years, including when Obama was president, we saw all kinds of stripping away of rights where, like, for instance, you'd say I, maybe there was, say, 40 abortion clinics, whether it was Texas or Mississippi, and then it was down to one, and they were using these stupid trap laws, targeted regulation of abortion providers, which were just uh, basically ways that Republicans could shut down the abortion clinics because maybe they were too far from a hospital or they, the drinking fountain was in a way or something like that. So what we have become used to is seeing like Roe was still there. Abortion is still legal. It's just not accessible. And it's not even affordable because it's not accessible. In order to get an abortion, some people have to travel across to another state or something like that. So my question to you is, I think what we're looking at here is gutting of Roe or just completely getting rid of it. And I'm hearing people say that they're going to get rid of it. And I wonder if what they choose to do is just kind of gut it. Do you think that there would be a difference in the way the public reacts if it's a straight up no more Roe v. Wade versus gutting it because we are used to incrementally seeing rights slipping away and this would just be another incremental move that may be less motivating to voters. Do you, do you catch my drift? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that you're exactly right. If they just, if they tinker around the edges, it's mm -hmm. going to be less motivational mm -hmm. than if they strike Roe versus Wade entirely, which then puts into play all these uh, trigger laws in the States yes. that then uh, will uh restrict or ban abortion in those states if mm -hmm. reverse suede goes away. Uh, I think that abortion uh, and, you know, the choice of what to do with your own body is something that people feel strongly about, but it hasn't been the top issue for many voters mm -hmm. un unless you are anti-abortion. Mm -hmm. right. But uh, I think that that may change depending on what the Supreme Court does that, right. you know, Plenty of people have voted for anti-choice Democrats and anti-choice Republicans because they're voting about other things. Mm -hmm. You know, they're voting about the economy or a, or a whole host of other things. But I think that uh, things could change next year if uh, this becomes a higher profile, if people see the effects in their daily lives. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, okay, so back to you. Now, I wanted to ask, are you considered immunocompromised? And the reason I ask that is because... I'm just wondering how that affects you, both mentally and physically, with people who are choosing not to get vaccinated for COVID. Mm -hmm. Well, I consider myself uh, immunocompromised um, because uh, the, the I did six months of chemo and a month of radiation, and the possibility effects uh, are quite high. Mm -hmm. You know, cancer could come back. I could get a different cancer, um, heart problems, lung problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, wow. uh, you know, I have been keeping it very safe mm -hmm. and masking outside, masking inside. Hmm. Uh, I got my booster. Um, and also, especially uh, from the research that I've seen, uh, Blood, people with blood cancers are especially at risk to COVID uh, because of, uh, uh, you know, that the the, the problem was with our immune system in the first place. Right. And so the treatments that wiped out our immune system and started over again leave us more vulnerable. So, you know, uh, I consider myself at elevated risk and I behave accordingly. Wow.
and, and I'm sorry that I'm, I, I do too. I'm not at elevated risk. I mean, I was a smoker for a long time and I quit in 2013, which is great. But I, I have, you know, I started smoking when I was 13 years old and I quit when I was 45. So I don't even know, you know, what I possibly did to myself stupidly. Um, and then, you know, now, even though I'm not a smoker, I feel like I'm slightly maybe more vulnerable than maybe people who didn't. And it's really hard to tell and I hope I never find out. But yeah, it's 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 terrible. It's just, it's scary the way people are choosing to believe disinformation just because of politics. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you stop smoking and yeah. that your lungs do recover. But also, you know, just like with me, there may be long-term damage you don't even know about and exactly. there's nothing you can do about, but it puts yeah. you at risk. Yeah, I was dumb. But anyway, <laughs> so I want to ask you, too, about the Build Back Better. Whether or not this passes, what do you think the future of healthcare in America looks like? Well, I, I think it's interesting to see what's happening in the states because, you know, for a variety of reasons, our federal government is broken in so many different ways. Uh, like you can see with the filibuster, mm-hmm. a, a majority in the Senate is not enough. You need a supermajority. And when does that ever happen? So uh, it, it's a lot easier to change policy in the states. And we saw this year uh, both Colorado and Nevada passed a public option mm-hmm. uh, oh, wow. to, you know, more heavily regulate insurance companies on the individual market and lower healthcare costs. So I think you'll see more of that. You'll see more hmm. prescription drug boards in the states. A more uh, you may even say see a state figure out how to do a single payer uh, wow. statewide program. Wow. And you're in Colorado, correct? Yes. Wow. That would be awesome. That would be really cool. Um, And, you know, why is it that we're the only industrialized country without universal health care? And why is it that we pay more than any other country for prescription drugs? Well, uh, some of that is the way that our system was built. Uh, If you go back to FDR and Truman and so on, they they almost got there but <laughs> didn't get there and uh you know the more entrenched the system is the harder it is to change it and yeah. when most people get their insurance through their employer and they are more concerned about losing something than gaining something then it's hard to get the motivation to make changes right. <sighs> so but true. Also, like the way that our system is set up, so many people benefit from the way that it is currently. And by that, I mean insurance companies, I mean hospitals Mm -hmm. and drug makers and medical device makers and so on that in in other countries, they regulate this stuff more Mm -hmm. that you can have private insurance companies Mm -hmm. and several European countries have that and so on, but they aren't allowed to make a profit off of the basic insurance piece, uh, mm-hmm. but that's not the case here. So, uh, money involved, it gets hard to force change. Yeah. And you can see that with a battle to lower um, surprise medical bills. Uh, the hedge funds and the private equity companies have been buying up small doctors' practices and so on and jacking up the rates and really sticking it to people. And uh, they fought with millions upon millions of dollars uh, regulation of surprise medical bills because that's how they make some of their obscene profits. What, what is surprise medical bills? I haven't heard that term. Uh, surprise medical bill 
is when you uh, go see, uh, you know, you go to the hospital and they're, they're covered under your insurance, but some of the providers aren't. So like maybe you get a certain emergency surgery and the anesthesiologist is not covered by insurance. Uh. So you get a separate bill and, you know, like it doesn't have uh, your, your caps and your out-of-pocket maximums. They can charge whatever they want. So uh, you, you see a lot of that with hospitals and so on where there's a whole bunch of providers, a whole bunch of services. Mm-hmm. You can't always pick and choose because you may be mm-hmm. uh, unconscious and right. then you get the bill. So can, can we go back to when, because I hadn't heard of what you just said, talking about these companies buying up private practices. Why are they doing that? What is prompting them to do that? Well, uh, private equity firms and hedge funds, they're all about the profit. They're collections of rich people's money, and they're always looking for a way to make more money. Uh, And so our unregulated medical system is a place where if you are willing to operate without a conscience, you can make a killing. Wow. So. Uh, you know, they've been buying up uh, smaller doctor's practices, especially during uh, this pandemic. Uh, I think a lot of uh, small shops couldn't necessarily make it a go of it financially because, you know, people spent a year only going to doctors and hospitals for emergencies, skipping preventative stuff. Uh, right. So a lot, of, a lot of these small guys, uh, you know, were were shaky financially because oh. of it, and maybe sold out. And they sell to these big guys that sort of Walmartize medicine, uh, get you seeing more and more people, shorter shorter periods, and uh, they will charge money in any way they can, including surprise billing. Wow. Okay, so the other question I had, I don't know if you've seen this, I don't know if you watch MSNBC, but there is an advertisement on MSNBC of a woman who is saying that um, private companies should be determining the price of drugs and medication as opposed to the government, and she goes on to say how other countries that the governments are determining their prices, she, she alludes to the fact that people are getting sick and dying, but with absolutely no proof. And I'm just... Can you just talk about that for a minute and why it's so important that private companies are not the ones to determine the prices? Well, uh, we pay more than any other industrialized nation for our prescription drugs. And obviously, the like it that way. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're coming up with anything to fight this, uh, the ability to negotiate prices because it cuts into their profits. But I mean, the VA negotiates prices and uh, there, the other countries do it. Parts of the American medical system do it. It's just uh, Medicare. Uh, it was written into uh, the bill passing Part D um, mm-hmm. under, under Bush, under Republican control. Uh, it was a giveaway to, to the pharmaceutical companies. And so they're fighting for that money. Hmm. Um, so they claim that yeah. it'll mean less drugs or you won't be able to access your drugs. But right now, people can't access their drugs mm. because it's too expensive. Yes, absolutely. So what can we do, um, especially about the Build Back Better? Because obviously, initially, Biden said he wanted to get it done before Thanksgiving. And I think we all know why. You know, you mentioned the cinemas and the mansions and all this are standing in the way. So what is it that we can do to uh, pressure or, or whatever we need to do to get this thing passed before Christmas? Well, uh, at this point, it's the Senate's uh, game because the House already passed a 
version. Uh So uh, (laughs) you should be contacting your two senators, making sure they hear from you that you want them to do this. Uh, And also uh, for as much pressure as uh, hopefully cinema and mansion are getting, Mm -hmm. I think it's also important to note that no Republicans are voting for this Mm -hmm. bill. So, you know, if you have Republican senators, call them too. Mm -hmm. And then after you call them, you know, write a letter to your paper and talk about uh, how, how they're refusing to lower the cost you pay for prescription drugs because I think it's unconscionable that half of our government is not even bothering to do mm-hmm. anything about healthcare and they're just getting away with it. Yeah, they're not bothering to do much of anything. <laughs> I mean, there's like, I think uh, Mitch McConnell was asked what their platform was for 2022 and it's just nothing. He did, they, they didn't have a platform in 2020 and they don't have a plan. And, you know, of course, Donald Trump kept promising that we were going to have this wonderful new Republican health care plan and nothing. So they, they're never going to do anything about it. My fear is if they're able to take control completely, we'll just lose everything. But let's just not go to the dark side right now. <laughs> we, can, we can at least have some hope and understand that, you know, our voices, we have to, I think it's extremely important now for everybody listening to know that we all have to be a part of this because Democrats can only do so much on their own. They're working against the Republican Party. They're even in some cases working against the way this is framed in the media. So what we have as 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 United States citizens at this point in our in our path in democracy, we still have the power to pressure these people and we should take advantage of it because I mean Look, if it gets to the point where it's too late and you look back and you think, I could have done more and I chose not to, you don't want to be in that situation. So I'm just saying. But, um, okay, so I know that you, because you're from Colorado and I know you follow Miss Lauren Boebert, <laughs> um, can you tell us how she and why she's particularly dangerous on health care? Well, uh, Lauren Boebert is dangerous on a whole bunch of issues. <laughs> yes, she is. But- <laughs> But on healthcare, you know, she takes the standard party line and that she hates Obamacare. That was one of the issue planks on her website. Uh, of course, she has no replacement. She has mm-hmm. nothing to offer people that don't have health insurance. Uh, so, so, you know, her her idea, if you don't have health insurance, is screw you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she also voted against the national um donor uh the national bone marrow donor uh registry uh the program that that funds that so that's for uh people that need a bone marrow transplant including uh many cancer patients including people with my type of blood cancer that if the chemo doesn't work if the if if my cancer came back i might need a bone marrow transplant so it's it's to score political points or you know to to get some attention she's doing these wildly destructive things mm-hmm. uh not only you know attacking other con- uh, congressional representatives and being islamophobic homophobic uh, every kind of phobic uh but uh, on the policy side she's making really destructive choices mm-hmm. and she has no solutions for coloradans or anybody else that need health insurance yeah that's the thing about them they never have any solutions all they have is cruelty and trolling and that's it and I, God, I hope, I, I hope enough Americans wake up to this because she's so dangerous. You also wrote, um, it was from Ms. Magazine. You wrote something here. I've got it. Uh, AOC, <laughs> AOC versus Bobbers addressing the hollow 
at the heart of Trumpism. So can you walk us through that article a little bit? Well, I talk about what you just said in that uh, is, is, are you elected to do something for the people you represent or mm-hmm. are you just performing? Are you just a troll looking to get more Twitter followers mm-hmm. so you can get your Fox news slot five years from now. <laughs> so, uh, and you can see the difference just in um, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez wore uh, the dress that said tax the rich to the Met ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that's a, that's a policy piece, mm-hmm. and she doesn't, uh, you know, she wants to tax the rich to uh, fund programs that help working class Americans, but also uh, to tackle some of the power issues. In that, if you if you have concentrations of wealth, you have concentrations of power, and it distorts our democracy. So, address is not just address. But if you compare her to Lauren Boebert wearing her dress to Mar-a-Lago <laughs> yeah. or whatever, uh, her dress said, let's go Brandon on the mm-hmm. butt. So <laughs> AOC is pushing a policy agenda to make life better for mm-hmm. working class Americans. And Lauren Boebert just wants to fuck Joe Biden. Exactly. There you go. Oh, my God. It's just so maddening. Um Okay, so I know that open enrollment for health insurance is going on right now. So what are the important state, important dates to keep in mind? And, you know, how can people get covered? What should they be doing? Well, if you have uh, Medicare, uh, the open enrollment deadline is uh, December 7th. But if there's a change in your life status, you know, if you move or so on, then you can still switch plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the Affordable Care Act, the deadline, there's two deadlines. Uh, The first deadline is December 15th. If you want coverage, it starts January 1st. And the second and final deadline is January 15th. So if you want coverage at all next year, you got to get it done by January 15th. And how you do it is go to healthcare.gov and uh, it will walk you through the process online. It'll also show you local uh, navigators that can help talk you through it because sometimes insurance is confusing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I I go with a broker that helps me talk through um, my my particular healthcare needs and it's free. It Hmm. does not cost you money to work with somebody. That's good to know. You know, I wanna ask you something about your bio. You have progressive digital new media and communication strategist. What is that exactly? Uh, well, uh, my day job, I uh, do digital work for nonprofits. So uh, I am writing those emails and that website content and so on for uh, nonprofits. Um, cool. Hopefully, I'm not the person that's writing the worst emails. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> that's funny. <laughs> And I'm also just curious, what, how are you feeling about what's going on right now politically and the 2022 midterms? Well, I think that this is a challenge and an opportunity. Uh, I think if the election were today, we wouldn't be doing so great. But we have the chance to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the chance to pass Build Back Better, to do things that make lives better for most Americans and to tell them about it because I think Democrats, we are often great at the policy and Mm -hmm. terrible at the sales piece. So people don't even know. Yeah, (laughs) It's the sales. We have to sell ourselves and we just absolutely have to. Um, And then what would you say if people have questions about health insurance and stuff like that, uh, what can they do 
because you know a lot of people are confused i know you mentioned a broker but a lot of people are confused what would you what would your advice be to them uh, well, uh, you can go to healthcare.gov and find somebody local to talk to. Also, uh, I have a TV show at uh, 4 o'clock Eastern on Mondays uh, with a panel of experts where we answer real people's questions about healthcare and health insurance. Uh, the show is on act.tv. So if you have a question that you need help with, be sure to share your question with us and hopefully we'll get you an answer. Awesome. Well, it was really interesting talking to you. I appreciate what you're doing. It's important work. And I, boy, I hope that everything just works out so that, you know, I hope you stay in remission. If you need any more additional, I hope that the ACA is still there. And again, thank you for what you're doing because it's really important. But before I let you go, uh, please tell everybody where to find you. Thanks. Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at L Packard, uh, also on Facebook and Instagram at Laura Packard Activist. Uh, you can find Care Talk, the TV show, at act.tv slash care talk. And you can find uh, Healthcare Voter at healthcarevoter.org. Very cool. So I am going to stay on alone. I'm going to let you go. So for people who are listening, I have a little additional things to say just in general about politics, but I'm going to let you go, Laura. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you. All right. You take care. Okay. Yeah, I usually don't do this, but we had a shorter show today than usual. Um, I just figured I would continue the conversation and talk about some general politics, even though it's not really... Well, I guess it will be politics, but I just have to say I did. I already recorded my What's Up, which is my show just for patrons. It's at the $5 tier if you're interested. I talk about whatever I feel like. So I recorded it early. I recorded it yesterday, and I was talking about Jamie Harrison and the fact that I tagged him in a post, and that has resulted in an upcoming show where we're going to talk about Democrats and messaging and 2022 and the importance. But I also quickly mentioned yesterday that Thomas Massey, Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky, put up a picture of his family, like his Christmas greeting, was his family, including his teenage daughter, holding guns, holding assault rifles. Now, this comes on the heels of a school shooting where the fucking, the, the 15-year-old boy who murdered four people, was given and gifted his gun by his fucking parents. And so Thomas Massey thinks it's a really funny, great idea to, on the heels of this tragic, disgusting event, he's going to put out an, uh, you know, this fucking holiday greeting with guns. Now, I... <laughs> I was a little nervous because somebody, okay, it was, yeah, I said this on my, on my free, uh, my patrons only show. So it was Paul Lee Tix or Tox Tix. Anyway, whatever. He, <laughs> you must have seen it. He created the same photo, but photoshopped dildos where guns were. And so I tweeted it to Massey and, and Massey blocked me. So fuck him. He's not supposed to block anybody because he's a public servant, but he doesn't care. None of them care because they're neo-Nazi neo -Nazi fascists and they're all horrible people. Horrible. And then the other thing was today, um, I just got to say this is so awesome. I asked a question, a hypothetical, because I'm seeing all these people and I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm just, I'm, I'm just observing 
So I'm seeing, you know, there's the whole crowd, including Lawrence Tribe, which was the, uh, he was Merrick Garland's professor in college. People saying Merrick Garland, including Adam Schiff, saying that he's got to get his ass rolling on Trump indictments. So there's the crowd that says, okay, we got to hurry up and do this. And then there's the crowd that's saying, you got to just chill and let him. Let him do what he's going to do. So again, I mean, I'm saying, you know, fucking Adam Schiff is being vocal about this. And he's been vocal about this more than once. When I spoke with Jody on Wednesday, I didn't have it in front of me, but I've listened to it since then. And Jody was saying, well, I haven't heard it, but I'm assuming he was addressing people's concerns. No, he was literally and legitimately concerned about Garland, which kind of freaks me out. I don't know if Garland is talking with Adam Schiff at all and saying, hey, we've got something going on, but I don't doesn't look like they are. So I posed a question today on Twitter and I said, okay, uh, what's more important for the 22 midterms passing vote? Well, I didn't say 2022 midterm, but whatever. What's more important, passing voting rights or Trumpco indictments? Now, I didn't want to I didn't want to hear both. I know both are important, but the point is what's more urgent? Everybody came after, you know, everybody replied and said, obviously, it was the voting rights, which is more urgent because it is. Now, there is an argument that if we don't hold these fucking mobsters accountable, that we are going to lose 2022. But honestly, I think if they're not held accountable by the midterms, which is even if he's doing what he needs to do, it's very likely that not enough is going to happen to satisfy people who elected Biden specifically to indict Trump, not Biden, but you know what I mean, uh, the DOJ and Garland. So if, if, it, if, you know, if, if we can pass the Voting Rights Act, which we have to fucking do, we have to fucking do that, uh, then what happens is, and if especially if we get that Democratic majority, we will be able to continue on with investigations that might take longer than everybody wants because it's not a quick little law and order episode that just gets wrapped up all easy. This is really serious shit when you're, when you're going to indict, whether it's the, you know, a former president or the higher ups in a presidential administration, you got to get that shit right. You cannot fuck that up. That would be worse than not doing it at all. So if we do pass the voting rights act, then what we do is we protect not just voting rights. We protect democracy which will continue down now. I mean, I think Obama should have gone after the Bush administration for war crimes. They chose not to. I think that was a mistake. I think it would be a mistake not to go after Donald Trump. But seriously, when you think in terms of what kind of country do you want to live in? Because if, let's just say, you know, we see an indictment of Trump, because now Terry Canefield and a number of other people are talking about the fact that it's not necessarily going to make the difference that we all think that it's going to make. If Trump is indicted, let's say, in March or in January or whatever of 2022, that's not necessarily going to mean everybody's showing up at the polls. And, and also, let's say Trump is indicted tomorrow, whenever, soon. If we don't have that voting rights bill passed first of all the republicans are going to be majorly motivated to show up at the polls majorly motivated and not only that if we don't have those gerrymandered districts fixed so that it's more fair 
it won't fucking matter. He could get indicted, he could get arrested, the Republicans could win, and they could pardon him. I'm not trying to dismiss the importance of what Merrick Garland does or doesn't do. It's extremely important. As I said, I do believe Bush should have been, Bush and his administration should have been held accountable. And I understand the reason why I'm not justifying it, but I understand that there is a fear when you go after your political foes or opponents that it becomes this endless, it just becomes an endless thing of each administration going after the other. And I think Obama, again, not justifying, just trying to understand his reasoning, I believe Obama was trying to avoid that. Again, you know, we knew that the Russians were interfering with the 2016 election and the Democrats chose not to say anything. Now, backseat drivers might say, oh, we should know. And you know what? I actually do believe we should know what's going on, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that would have been the the best political decision. Now, clearly, the decision not to say anything, well, ultimately, Trump got into the White House. So we can go back and say, well, maybe if something was said, maybe if the Democrats really pushed this and said, hey, I mean, Hillary Clinton did. She did. But as the party, um, if we would have heard from the party, hey, look, this is happening. I don't know if it would have made a difference. I, I, I don't know. I think it's good to be honest. And Hillary Clinton was being honest with us. It was just it wasn't that the rest of the party wasn't being honest. I think they were just like, we don't know exactly what to do about this, because if we put it out that this is happening. Oh, my God. The already fucking fucked up 2016 election would have even been crazier. So I, I like again, I am not saying that it's not important uh, that we, you know, I think indictments are important, and I think we've reached a phase in our democracy, in our experience, our democratic republic, that we have to do this now because obviously, no matter what the Democrats do, Republicans are going to be intentionally cruel. They're going to break every law they can. They're going to break every rule they can. And if a, if oh, you can just bet your fucking ass if a Republican gets in in 2024, we're going to see all kinds of arrests from you know on on the democratic side they'll they just will so it would behoove democrat now see the doj they're not democrat they're not republican they want to stay out of it and i get that but you know we're in this really fucking weird place right now so i want to go back to the fact that i asked that question about what's more important the voting rights or merrick garland indicting trump co so overwhelming people say voting rights, even though they don't necessarily like to have to make that choice, when they are forced to make that choice, they do agree voting rights are important. So I quote tweeted myself and said something about how, you know, look, the it's overwhelming how many people are saying voting rights. And so we need to fucking get our shit together and we need a organized movement. So Christine Pelosi, oh my God, she must, we follow each other on Twitter. So it was literally within a few minutes, she sent me a tweet and I I retweeted her, I quote tweeted her and everything. So you can go to author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y and check out um, my feed, find her tweet. And she's urging us basically to call our senators. She's talking about the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and how it was passed in the House. We've got to urge our senators We've got to do it. I don't know exactly what Pelosi, Schumer, and and Biden are doing. And I'm not saying that they're not doing anything. I think they are. But they're dealing with, and it's not just Mansion and Cinema. I know there are other Democrats out there who are hiding behind Mansion and Cinema. 
I don't know how many there are, but they've got to, they've got to work on their end to figure out that we've got to work on our end to put out that pressure. It's extremely important that we do this. And again, as I was saying to Laura, we, the people, we are at a point right now where it's, it's very difficult, I think, for a lot of people to feel motivated. Now, I mean, there's a lot of them that do feel motivated, but there's a lot of people who feel like, I don't want to be bothered. It's not going to work. They make excuses. Fucking be bothered. Make the phone call. Just go to, if you don't know who your senators are and you want your, you want your U.S. senator, not your state senator. So you, you go and find out. If you're living in California, enter California U.S. Senators. Tell them what, you know, please pass the Voting Rights Act. Now, you may, you may get a person. You may get, uh, you, you may have to leave a message. Just do it. If you are living in a red state, it's extremely important for you to find out who your senators are. I know that it's, it feels like they're not going to care. But maybe you might hit, some of them might care. And we don't want to wait until it's too late and we have that pit of our stomach, you know, on whatever voting day is, the day after voting day in 2022. We don't want to have that pit in our stomach like I could have done more, especially when I could have done more means five minutes of your day. You can you can take five minutes of your day to pressure whoever it is that's holding up whoever whichever senator is holding up this bill so that's going to be it for me today thank you for listening um you can find me on twitter at author kimberly k-i-m-b-e-r-l-e-y you can find all my books on amazon and you know what it would be super freaking awesome if you read my book and you like it give me a review if you listen to this show and you like it go to apple podcasts and rate the show and give it a review always looking to build. I need reviews. If you like it, please. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.